You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. Today's show is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Check it out for yourself. Used to be Locked Room, now it's Spotify Green Room. Pat, it is nice to talk with you, get a chance to to hop in and talk some some Indians baseball. Today's show, uh, we're going to be a little bit more minors focused. Uh, no game today. It feels like we've had a ton of inclement weather issues over the past week. So it's not like uh, the fans out there are going to miss out on what happened because uh, we have a doubleheader tomorrow. That's, that's about the breaking news. The only other minor breaking news I should mention, and it just hit me now, is the Indians... Because of all their injuries, you know, I talked about Brad Peacock on the show yesterday. Uh, they did add Zach Godley, who has pitched over the last few years very minorly. Uh, that's not like some kind of bad joke or pun. He's been a guy who I feel like is under 20 innings each of those years, but he's another depth arm who does have major league experience, very similar to Peacock in that regards. So you have to at least mention it. But now that that little bit of news is out of the way, how you doing, Pat? Um, I've been doing well. Just been kind of busy lately. Had to um, kind of step away for a couple of weeks and just spend some time with family for my birthday and um, kind of just uh, rest, you know, just as I'm kind of learning uh, the sports writing thing. No, I totally get it. I have a summer birthday myself and uh, I plan to not do much that day. Uh, it's... Yeah, I, I I did my own travel, and I feel like I'm kind of out of it a bit. But the the fun thing with this Indians team is, uh, for as beat up as they are, there's st- I think they're still just two games back. It's kind of a minor miracle in many regards, and also just like speaks to not just Jose, but a lot of these young players coming together to make this like off. You know, my my bold prediction at the start of the year was that the offense would be better this year than last year. When everyone's fully healthy, do you think that's going to be the case? Do you think when with what we've seen with Ahmed and what some of the players in AAA are starting to do that that actually doesn't seem all that bold at this point in time? It, it doesn't. I think, honestly, um, the offense last year was unsustainably bad, and the 16-game sample size really um, exasperated that a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, so, I mean – I, I really don't think it's that it's even that much of a hot take or I mean I don't even think um I got some pushback just because you know they didn't have Lindor anymore, but uh you know the the youth is the youth is starting to pay off and it's just I think the exciting thing is it's just it's just starting. It's like they're just turning on that uh faucet, as it were, when you know, we still have like the Nolan Joneses and the Ty Freemans and some of the players we'll talk about the show tonight, the uh, the trickle will kind of slow down, especially if bats, but I think we're going to just continue to get more. I think to me, at least that's what makes this kind of a little bit more fun to watch. Yeah. Um, it's always fun to watch young teams, even when they're, they're bad, just because um, it's typically us baseball nerds being able to um, see what prospects stick against the wall and don't. Um, but it, it, this team is very weird because they're, they're the youngest team in the majors. They're very, very injured, and all the injuries are their best players and or most important players. And they're they're still they're still winning, and they're they're winning a lot of ugly games. They're winning games that they should have versus bad teams. 
although they're kind of losing some also. They're kind of playing down. Young teams tend to do that a lot. Um, yeah, you got something to say? You got something to say? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, and it's, I kind of get a little bit annoyed when people are like, yeah, but they're beating up on the Central. I'm like, exactly what you said, though. This is a team that's dealing, their entire pitching staff is hurt, and they're the youngest team in baseball. Like, if it was just about uh, beating up on bad teams, it's like the Tigers should be able to do that as well. It's not to say that, I mean, the Indians have better overall talent, but when you're looking at where both teams are in terms of health, it's not as big of a gap as the records would indicate, but the team continues to win and play better and evolve and get better. So I, I just see a lot of people who want to discount what the Indians are doing. And I think that's kind of unfair and short-sighted. I agree. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this team um, does in the second half, considering how the team, how the organization has been the second half team under Tito. So it'll be interesting to see if that trend continues or not, especially since the team is so young. And they're going to be looking to get a reinforcement soon. No, I, so I emailed you or emailed. <laughs> no, I was, I DM'd you about like, what should we talk about? And, uh, you know, a name you brought up was uh, that completely and badly switched gears here was Xavion uh, Curry. Cause we're going to spend some time talking about Lake County who it's a team. I really haven't talked about at all on the podcast. And there's a lot of players that I know now, now Curry is no longer in Lake County. He got the call up to Lynchburg. No, it was the other way around. The other way around. Went from, I'm sorry, he went from Lynchburg to Lake County. No, it's, I, uh, no, like it's, it's, it's completely understandable considering it's the, the flip this year, right? Yeah, it was the flip. Yeah. I've been playing a lot of uh, OTP baseball on oh. my computer, and I have last year's model. So it's okay. in my mind, it's still the flip because I'm spending more time looking at those uh, data in terms of that. But yeah, he, you know, he got the call up. I don't want to step on your toes at all here. I, you know, I talked a little bit. This is my bit of stepping on toes before I'm going to let you speak. Is I talked a little bit about Richie Palacios and how you know he missed time due to injury. Uh, you have to talk about that with Curry, as he had I can't remember if it was a sore shoulder or a sore arm during his draft year out of Georgia Tech. So Indians didn't have him pitch at all in 2019 after they drafted him. So this is his first time pitching. You know, everybody lost 2020 and he lost 2019. So here's a guy who hasn't pitched competitively since he left Georgia Tech. Uh, what, you know, I'll, I'll chime in after I, I give you the floor here, but like what, what made him a name that you immediately wanted to kind of discuss? Um, so for me, I feel like out of all the pitching prospects in the system this year, he's been the best in terms of individual performance, not in terms of just talent level. And um, we've seen his organization take undersized guys with interesting traits and, and do a lot more with them. And I feel like he has that in him. Um, you know, anytime this organization picks up any pitcher, it doesn't matter if it's round one or round 17, you know, our ears kind of break up a bit just because of what the organization can do. And for me, Xavier Curry is kind of one of those – he, he he kind of reminds me of the um of the college pitcher mold or the college pitcher prospect that this team likes to take and, and kind of do their magic with and I feel like um he should be in that tier with the the three guys that were drafted in twenty twenty. Yeah, when you mentioned it, the name that immediately came to mind was uh, not the twenty twenty guy, but 
uh, was Eli Morgan, who we, mm-hmm. we saw pitch pretty effectively. You know, he's had his ups and downs, but you know, the, the similar size Curry and Morgan had similar fastballs. I think uh, Curry is now throwing a little bit harder. Like they were both Curry. high 80s, low 90s, but Curry, I believe, is sitting like low to mid 90s now. Curry is sitting uh, like 92, 93. Yeah, so he's, that, that's he's a, 94. Yeah, so that's that's a significant jump and change. And then I was when they drafted Curry, I was annoyed with myself that I hadn't, you know, thought about. I, I had mentioned him like leading up. I'd been like, this is a guy you should watch because of advanced secondary offerings, very good pitchability numbers, and he's undersized. And it was, you know, kind of, let's see, they took Morgan in, what, 2017, and they took Curry in 2019. Uh, so that was that was the player I couldn't help but think about. Now, I was trying to remember what Curry's bread and butter pitch is. It's been a while, but, like, coming out of college, Curble. I think it was the curve, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. it was the, cur- the curve was, he had, like, one of the top five to ten curveballs in the entire college class. So, yeah, he's again. I'm always curious with a guy who's missed time just to see him come out there. And if you're a doubter, the doubters are going to be like, he's five ten, and he's twenty two, going up against much younger players. But he's he's a weird twenty two. Like sometimes I think we get. I mean, I look at age all the time, so it might seem a bit hypocritical. But I think sometimes when you discuss age, you have to look at like experience and. 22 for Curry is very different than other players because Georgia Tech is a good baseball team, but it doesn't produce pitchers. It produces hitters. It's He didn't get elite college coaching there. He got good college coaching. You don't go to Georgia Tech and get bad coaching, but that is a program that, that is best at producing hitters. And he gets to the majors and has an injury and then COVID. So he's, yeah, he's 22, but he's not the typical 22-year-old, if that makes any sense. I think you can't just look straight at age. You have to sometimes look at the story. It's one of those things where, you know, I, I think about Josiah Gray, who is part of the um, Mookie Betts deal where he went to Lemoyne college. Like when you go to a smaller college like that, that's a, a, a factor that affects uh, ceiling. And I know some people hate ceiling, but as a term, but I, I think with Curry, it's not to say that he is going to be, you know, the next big thing, but I think there's definitely a chance for a spot starter not spot starter, back end starter, or like that spot starter reliever type. But a, which again, where he was drafted and everything else, uh, I think that's a solid outcome for someone like him. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, and especially considering um, you know, he's a bit undersized and he has a couple of things working against him, but he definitely has all the tools to make it and be a productive player. Yeah, no, he's he's a fun one to watch, and that pitching, you know, I probably do too many of that laugh sounds on the podcast. That's something I'm starting to notice. It's right up there with my ums. I'm sure for people who listens annoyingness, but uh, you know, that pitching staff there is a lot of fun. Now, when you look at the arms they already had in place, and then they're going to go ahead and add him. And uh, I, it's almost, there's not a non-prospect starter. And that's not to say that like, it's typical to have a non-prospect, but go look at Akron. Like, Tanner Tully is a great organizational depth guy. He's a great organizational soldier, but I don't think anyone thinks he's going to pitch in the big leagues. You know, that the Akron has a few guys like that. Uh, Those players you see go up and down and up and down. That's not the case right now with Lake County. When you talk about the three draft picks plus Gaddis plus Curry, these are all guys who were day one or day two picks. Quick break. And let's take that time to talk about the Spotify green room, which was locker room. Uh, it's a chance to jump in and talk sports with myself and 
um, pretty much every other Lockdown host. Uh, we promote, we talk about, you know, I've had a one-on-one conversation just about the Indians and Japanese baseball. I've done a 60-pick mock draft in there. I've had three or four people hop in and pepper me with questions. It's never a big group, and for the most part, outside of one, maybe two days, everyone's been really chill and really cool. So go check out the Green Room app, brought to you by Spotify now. Uh, that was what used to be Locker Room, so now it is the Green Room. Uh, and I do like the change for Android. It brought back the discussion in there. It's giving me more tools as someone who uses this. So join me typically on Saturday nights when I hop on the Green Room and talk about Indians baseball. Yeah, um, so... When it comes to these type of guys, um, you know, I feel like we, we kind of get too caught up about, you know, there's something just become my lady that I'm going to go on a tangent about is that's the fact that free. we as, you know, we as base, professional baseball fans, we kind of get caught up. When, I, you probably said this on the show many times about um, prospect rankings and things like that. And, and I know they're there and they, they're not being wrong on purpose but at the same time we just kind of got on how to sit back and just kind of let these things happen because we, we we see so many guys that weren't supposed to be anything become something and vice versa so i mean it's kind of a redundant conversation at this point to have i feel like but i just kind of want to finish my record again since we're having the conversation again no i feel like what so maybe this is not cracked but i feel like what rankings are good for is a degree of consensus and safety. Mm-hmm. Like they, they help show players who are more likely to be successful, right. but they should not be viewed as like gospel. Like it's, it's more like, okay, a lot of people are seeing this. Maybe we should give this guy a longer look. And a positive example of that with the Indians is like Ahmed Rosario. Now a negative mm-hmm. example is Matt Laporta. <laughs> you can go the other way with this, yeah. but I also think it's important to like, you know, I, I know as someone who tries to do this stuff from time to time is always study what you're getting wrong. Like mm-hmm. Ty Freeman is the type of player that I am consistently wrong about. So I need to kind of, you know, I look at that model and I know this year as I was looking at players, like in the draft class, I'm like, uh, there is the high school second baseman in Alabama and the college second baseman in Alabama. And neither of them are my type and the type of guy I'm going to rank highly, but I, I can also see where like, that's the type of guy I'm going to swing and miss on. And it's also where like, I know from my perspective now where I was so high Bradley Zimmer, I put like eighth in his class. I was so high on him. Nowadays I would see a guy at a small school with a K percentage over 30 and he, that would not be the case. Mm-hmm. So I think evolution is you evolve or you die. And, you know, I can go back to when I first started like a decade ago and MLB.com, Jonathan Mayo was doing it by himself and it's an impossible task uh, and I, you know, I respect the heck out of that guy. I've had uh, like two interactions. He's always an extremely kind person. So I'm not saying this to like drag the guy. He, he's excellent at what he does. Doing 30 teams on your own is an impossible task. But I remember you look at it and the lists back then were like who were who went in the first three rounds and who got the highest bonuses. And uh, God, I'm blanking on the guy who went back to the Mexican League and was with the Cubs. Like uh, Gobel, Godel. I can't, but you know, like he was someone who was in the top 10. I, and I was never sold on him. And then eventually he figured it out and it worked. So yeah, I just kind of use those rankings and those thoughts is like consensus helps build safety, but you know, this whole team, 
Jose Ramirez, Shane Bieber, and Savali, Zach Plesac. Uh, none of these, Fran Mil Reyes. I mean, Fran Mil Reyes was Rule 5 eligible the year he had his breakout, and nobody took him. Uh, none of these guys. Like uh, McKenzie. I'm trying to think if there's anyone outside of McKenzie who was really like a top end prospect. I mean, not counting the guys they got from the Mets, like like Rosario and Jimenez, but and Jimenez isn't helping him currently. But none of these guys were top 100s outside of like Tristan McKenzie and Ahmed Rosario. So your point is 100% true. Like you can't get too bogged in that information. Yeah. Uh, the only top 100 prospects that ever show up. The only people to ever make a top one prospect. I'm looking at the Russ resource for the Indians right now. Mm-hmm. Or um Rosario, um, Bradley Zimmer, Kyle Contrell. Oh, Contrell, she actually known that. He was a high pick. And that's it. And Logan Allen. Would have oh, yeah. no, that's the wrong with Logan Allen. Well, no, he would have no, yeah. right one. Yeah, because I was yeah. he did get called up. Okay. Yeah, he was like a back end, yeah, because he just he got caught up this week and he was he was like a and you know, back end top one hundred. Yeah, it's the other team where it's that's that's where you just trust your developmental arm and you trust what exactly. you can do. And it's like how many people dragged them for the Clevenger trade? And the, yeah, I I I remember sitting there in the group chat with the other hosts and everyone being like, you know, I would rather have the deal the Mariners took for uh, Nola, and I'm like. I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I trust the Indians. I trust what they see and what they spot and how they develop. And you know, they. I, I always go back to the CC Sabathia Cliff Lee uh, deals, and I'm you know there were others in there. They learned an important lesson that uh, those big prospects can fail. So it's better to get a handful of guys than just go for like one. You know the Matt Laporter of the world. Because, I mean, the, for as much as people love, I mean, for what Michael Brantley became, I don't know if he was ever a top 100. If he was, he was back end. And that year with Milwaukee, he was a first baseman in their system because he was struggling so much as an outfielder. So, yeah, it's it's the always interesting. You know, Rob Bryson was arguably the number two piece with Bradley being the third piece at the time. And, and yeah, I, I just I laugh about this stuff because I think – I reference them because I think the Indians learned a lot and all of their trades have continued to be this. We want four to five pieces. Good. I, the Naylor situation is just awful, but he was, he was showing massive improvement. Quantrell has been important. I mean, Hedges has been valuable. I know offensively he's a mess, but I'd much rather have him than a lot of the other options that could have walked in off the street. You know, Bo Taylor starting back there, I'd rather have Hedges. So they do their thing and they do it well moment and go over to bet online let's see if they have both games up over at betonline.ag for tomorrow since we had no game tonight we got that double header tomorrow let's see what bet online thinks about those matchups uh remember when you go to betonline.ag use that promo code locked on to save five not to save to get five zero a 50 percent bonus on your first deposit they're giving you money go check that out for yourself so unfortunately uh, yes, the Indians have two games on Wednesday. I do not see either of them listed. So the Indians are off the board tomorrow at Bet Online. But instead, you could go do some player props. Let's go check those out on the website. Uh, for instance, Major League Baseball. Let's open this. Uh, Detroit Tigers, Cleveland Indians. Uh, okay, so there's not as much with this one. But you can build your own. 
I could say I want to do Jose Ramirez. Uh, pick a statistic, say home runs, and if I picked that he's going to have at least four home runs, oh, they won't even give me odds, at least three home runs, right, where did it, yes, at least three home runs, American League, at least two home runs, 16 plus 1650, so plus $1,650 if I could predict Prediction Jose Ramirez is going to have a two-run uh, home run. You can go make up your own prop bets over at betonline.ag. Go check it out for yourself. Remember that promo code is locked on to get your 5-0, 50% bonus on your first deposit. Betonline.ag, promo code locked on. Built Bar has just been doing deals left and right. They had a cooler they were giving away for a time. Uh, after that, they brought back coconut. They brought in back orange and strawberry. I love Built Bar. I do. I... Can't wait for my next order. I've been kind of jonesing. I haven't had Built Bar in a while. You can still get orange and strawberry and German chocolate cake. Those are not flavors that are there all the time. All three are currently available. I do like the orange and the German chocolate. I wasn't as big on the strawberry, but I have tried it because, of course, I try things from Built Bar. They still have a deal on a travel cooler. There's all sorts of stuff going on. But, yeah, if you want to get some new flavors, now is the time. They're doing a deal on the Boost to add to your water. I love Built Bar. If you try it, you'll love it too. I've never had anyone tell me that they did not enjoy Built Bar after ordering. The promo code when you go to Built Bar is locked on 15 That 15% savings is the same amount I get as a repeat customer. And I'm a repeat customer because it is a product I love. It is a product I use. It's a product like I'd be stumping for even if they weren't an advertiser because it's something I legitimately enjoyed. BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on 15 promised we talked some lake county so i just want to you know i was looking over the roster and <laughs> when i went to the thing i first went to lynchburg and uh just had some fun looking at uh angel martinez and uh Jelensky noel and i you know you look there and then you go over to lake county the latin talent in this organization is unreal right now uh you know we talked about jose tenia before it's almost impossible to talk about this Lake County team and not start off talking about the Latin talent that's there, the, what exists in terms of the hitters. Oh, um, definitely. Um, the Indians have a great track record of tracking and developing and acquiring guys from Latin America. Um, they're, they're one of the best, they, they're kind of ranked by their peers as one of the best organizations that are doing so. Um, and, you know, Future Value was a great book. Because they kind of talked about how um how Cleveland likes to um how Cleveland likes to target contact oriented hitters and things like that and switch hitters and stuff and uh, I really um saw a pattern there with how they approach their national signings um based on the training with the switch hitters that I wrote an article about a while ago now and we've seen that at major level I mean you look at Jose Ramirez um just that example of, of a Hispanic, of a Latin switch hitter for an organization that the organization has targeted and had success with. And this organization was the first organization in MLB history to sign it and to call up a, a Latino player to the majors, well, a black one at that, with many, many also. So there's an advantage there, and they're taking advantage of it, and they, and they kept it intact. Yeah, it's, it, you know, they're a, uh... I'm trying to figure out how to phrase here, but it's 
<laughs> the funny thing is, again, this is just me being old man. I turned 40 uh, halfway through July. I can remember when Latin America, you had gotten like Victor Martinez and Rafael Perez, and then there was nothing. It had been such a struggle. So it's such a credit to the Indians kind of reevaluating, taking a step back. I feel like it was three, four, five years ago where they completely rehauled everything with that. And I mean, the dividends are just clear right now. It's it's unbelievable uh, what is going on in terms of uh, players and talent down there uh, specifically. It's just, and even though some of the names, guys like, you know, Bracho have struggled a little bit and, you know, uh, Koyo hasn't struggled, but in terms of his, you know, he's a guy some people absolutely adore. So when you look at him and he's been closer to league average and it is some that's not what they'd hoped for, but it's the talent there. Just, I think it's, it often speaks for itself and it's interesting. Uh, is there anyone grabbing your attention a little bit more uh, recently? Um, so Aaron Bradshaw has actually, he's looked really well. Mm-hmm. You know, with him and Rokio, I'm giving him and Rokio and a lot of the Venezuelan guys extra slack just because of the fact that um, they kind of had it worse just because they were stuck in Venezuela and, and who knows how much more. Um, support they had just kind of based on how everything happened with the pandemic. And that isn't out of expensive Venezuela and what they got going on either. Um, but that's uh, another topic for another day. So um, Rocco's caught my eye too. Um, him and Bracho actually. Um, Jose Tena is still looking very good. Reyna Delgado is still playing very well. Um, Luis Valera just kind of returned from that oblique injury. Um, Brian Lavastida is still catching my eye. He's, he still looks very good. Um, Actually, I actually like him a lot. I think I think he really might. Um, him and Bo Naylor are really gonna kind of have to be those two cornerstone guys for as far as catching prospects go for this organization for the next few years. No, I I agree with you there. I I was gonna he was like circled on my list of like I have to ask you about him because he's someone I've been. I, you know, we didn't get to see anything last year, but 2019, he kind of popped in terms of his play. And I know he's still learning the position, but offensively, I it's hard to not get excited by a guy catching who is able to be that offensive with his offensive production so far this year. I, and he looks like a competent defender as well. His game calling skills are pretty good. Um, he's handled the the college guys and everything up there at Lake County pretty well also. But, you know, yes, now the four guys that were kind of the college guys are selecting the 2019, 2020, 2020 drafts, you know, with um, Curry, Hickman, Burns, and uh, Allen. He's a guy, like, when I go, I know, and I do the Indians things at the end of the year and I rank prospects, I mean, I'll have to take a step back and look, but I'm probably the 11th spot for me is never like necessarily the 11th best player, but it's a guy that you need to pay attention to. It was always more of like a, I always ranked 11 at scout and it was more of like a joker. Like I remember with the Marlins, it was like Jordan Yamamoto. I put there because I'm like, I know all the reasons why people aren't going to, but this guy's going to pitch in the majors. I know it hasn't been, he's, you know, bounced around, but still he made it. Levestita, I think is going to be that guy that I have to put at 11 just because he he continues to do the right things. I mean, he could end up in the top 10 for them. Uh, catching is so hard to find. And yeah, he's relatively new to the position. And yeah, it, it it's, it's kind of exciting to see 
what he's doing there. The other name I wanted to ask you about now, he hasn't played a ton. Fortunately, you'll have to wait until tomorrow to find out. There is still quite a bit from my discussion with Pat uh, saved up, and we're going to have that partially go into tomorrow's podcast as well. I didn't want to go through and cut a bunch of stuff. I thought I would just keep what we had and then multi-purpose. We have almost 19 more minutes ready to go for tomorrow. So when you add in everything, that means I'll have a short discussion on the game and then more of my discussion with Pat. We really go in depth. You're going to get to hear about a player that, honestly, uh, I thought was never going to amount to anything. And that guy's having a good year. You can go figure out the numbers. You're going to hear us talk about the organization, the system. And we really break down why, even though this is a team that doesn't have like a blue-chip prospect, they might still have a top-five farm system in all of baseball. So you're going to get to hear that discussion and just some thoughts in general about how they've acquired talent, uh, how they need to continue acquiring talent, and just where they are in terms of depth. It's it's a real interesting discussion and things that I haven't ever said before, I feel like, because I had that back and forth with Pat. So you want to tune in. Remember, you can follow Pat at tangible underscore Uno. You can follow myself at Jeff MLB Draft. Uh, both of us have been doing some writing. He has some articles. Uh, he'll tell you a little bit more on the end of tomorrow's show. But go check it out. He had a great one I talked about as well on Ahmed Rosario. I have some draft content up. We can both find links to that in our profiles. Uh, And remember, for the next year, maybe two, go Tribe.